Hey everyone, it's the Monty Man, and you are about to take part in the experience, the strength, and the hope of this episode of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show. Move him on, hit him up, hit him up, move him on, move him on, hit him up, raw high. Cut him out, ride him in, let him in, let him out, cut him out, ride him in, raw high. A gun will travel, reach the card of a man. A night without armor in a savage land. expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show are those of the co-host and guest and do not necessarily reflect those of our affiliates. The topics and opinions on today's show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice. Take 12 Radio is not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. And now, here's your host, the Monty Man. And there's, there's the good. <laughs> There's the bad. Oh, that's a and great start to a show, I tell you. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, welcome to the Team 12 Recovery Radio Show. Uh, are we recording? Yeah, we are. All right. We're actually, uh, actually recording right now. Are you now. sure it's on? <laughs> yeah, it's on. Oh, man. All right, kind of uh, (laughs) honing in on a little bit of a Western theme there uh, in honor of our, um, (laughs) he's not a fallen cowboy, but he did fall off his horse, Marv R., uh, is with us. There's Denver. Denver, hi. Say uh, wait, uh, say hi. Howdy. Uh, howdy. And, and there's Marv. Hey, how hey, you doing? You sound pretty chipper. 
Um, mm. But we'll see. Uh, yeah. There's Margie. <laughs> if, if you're watching on YouTube, that's why I'm saying there's and there's there's Dave Fleming. What's up? What's happening? Um, we're cracking up a little bit because we we started taping the show, but then I forget forgot to hit the uh, record button, so we had to start over. So we recorded half the show again. Keep yeah. coming back. <laughs> yeah. Are you hearing a buzzing? Not not That's in my ear. Five G. Oh, it's just five yeah, G attacking us. Five G. Right? Thank you. So, um, the topic uh, this week is pain management in recovery because sometimes things happen, and we require pain management, and that can be a controversial issue within our twelve step fellowships and other parts of the recovery community. But, um, what what kind of inspired this was Marv got bucked off his horse, and that isn't just a matter of just you know. Stubbing your toe? What? It's a, it's a fall. <laughs> yeah. What happened, Mark? It's like what? a one-story fall. <laughs> yeah. Right. How tall is your second horse? floor and you fall? You know? Uh, fifteen, two and a half. Wow. So it's what? Pretty good size. What happened? In, in, well, you know, he's just being a horse. You know, you never take him for granted. I right. Was going through. Bring uh, your mic up a little bit more. Just. I was going there. through routine deals that I do with him and right. everything was fine and um, took a, a come around around pin and I turned left and I saw that inside ear flicker he was quicker than I was and mm. started shaking his head dropped his head and went to bucking wow <clears throat> and uh, is that a fast ride you were doing or is it was no, it a trot or no I was at a trot trot yeah those little exercises that i do with them uh-huh but um you you might want to kind of clarify what on the height of the horse not, people may not oh understand yeah, yeah, what yeah 15 means well a hand a is, hand uh, four inches four inches okay so he's 15 two and a half hands high okay <clears throat> yeah so that that's he's a tall boy yeah yeah so that's about what sixty four inches or so, something like that. Yeah. So, so <clears throat> when you say he bucked you off, I mean, he what is his hind end went up in the air and he literally threw you off. Yeah, he bucked several times. Right. Um, I uh, I was able to manage it for a little bit, but you know I'm yeah. old and decrepit. And <laughs> I went to old grab decrepit. grab leather, and I was too far back. I couldn't get my center of gravity. Oh boy, ahead. Yeah, and so I went flying. You went flying. Yeah. So what was the result? You well, ended up in the hospital. Yeah, I was uh, landed on my left side and broke the femur, my leg up oh, close to the hip goodness. joint. And um, and then I broke my collarbone, yeah, and three ribs. Gee. on the right side. So what? I I mean this this stuff when this kind of thing happens is it does it like happen really fast? I mean it just went boom quick. boom boom. <laughs> yeah, it and you're on fast. the ground. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And what are you thinking? <laughs> oh. Crud. Well, I was telling Margie about it. You know, what was really weird is, um, um, you know, it does happen fast, but yet in your yeah. mind is kind of a slow motion thing. It's weird. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not sure why this came about, but when I hit the ground, I, of course, 
I couldn't breathe. I lost all my wind, and and I was suffering trying to get my wind back. And yeah. Stuff. Well, once I did, I thought, well, I wonder if I can get up. I thought if I could get up, I was probably okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't get up. And so the next thing was, I thank God for who he was, which, you know, it just came out. You know, I was still alive. Yeah. Um, I was hurting severely, but uh, life has kind of taught me that no matter what, God's in control. And and so I just thanked him for who he was and, and let him know I was grateful. Wow. And, uh, and yeah, and for me to do that, that's that's pretty good, I think. What do you think set the pony off? Well, I'm going to investigate that. I have a couple of suspicions. Um and I think it has something to do with the bit I'm using. Yeah. Uh I'm not sure. I just Is it new? No, no. No. Uh, <coughs> but there's been a series of events that have happened in the last three months. Right. As I've recollected them, they've all happened when I've turned him to the left. Interesting. Something's not fitting, huh? And and I'm thinking a couple of things that maybe he's hurting and I need to get a chiropractor out there and have oh. him checked over or else that bit, for some reason, when I go to the left, mm-hmm. somehow or another, is pinching him. So just investigation i have to do yeah yeah and and so margie you got bucked a while back too right yeah i didn't actually get bucked off i got thrown off i mean there's a What's little the bit difference? Of, <laughs> yeah little bit explain of that to well, the, us well the horse wasn't actually bucking like in marv's case right, right. it just made this sudden sudden turn and you know I'm a new, really new horseback rider. I'm yeah, not, I don't have all this experience like Marv, so I just wasn't able to hold on, and so I fell and I hurt my left uh, shoulder arm, and I didn't realize that that was broken for like six or seven weeks. Walking around with, with broken bones <laughs> and not even knowing that that, that they're broken. Well, yeah, that I, I got on one once, and it. I analyzed me, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it took me to the quickest tree it could and ran me right into the bushes. And I'm going, holy cow. <laughs> Did you ever get back on a horse? I've been on them a couple times. Probably just I checking, you know. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily care for them because yeah, they size you, me up pretty well. Yeah. They're smart animals. Well, when you get knocked off, you got to get back on. And you got to get back up. Gee, Willikers. Okay. So I, I got knocked off a horse. Did you? I was probably about uh, 10 or 12. Yeah? Yeah, we had horses growing up. Fell off, got knocked off, landed on a rock, and I got a big scar on my forehead. Explains a lot. Right? <laughs> well, see, that was Not supposed really a lot. That but. was supposed to, like, I think that counteracted when I was born, because right. when I was born... I was born on the front step of an apartment building. Really? So if you like visualize that, you know, yeah. it's like popping out and bonk, you know, like that's what knocked me 
out of out of control, and then you know when I hit the that's your horse. Sense? When I hit the rock after the horse, it kind of pushed my brain back into place. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, sounds so, good anyway. So, so you uh, and understandably so, you're you you're on some pain medication, right? Or you were or currently are? Or, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is it pretty strong stuff, or are they? I know they're they're real stingy right now with opiate based pain medication because of the opiate crisis and everything else. Yeah. Did they just give you mild stuff, or did they give you some heavy duty stuff? Or it's well because I don't have a lot of knowledge about that. Yeah, it's five milligrams of oxycotton. Oh, okay, and it's every six hours. All right, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty low. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's pretty low. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, anymore they're not even going there with a lot of stuff. So I'm, I'm, even, I'm even surprised. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, yeah. So, so a lot of times, people, people that do need pain management aren't getting proper pain management because of the crisis and the way they're, the they're approaching it. Um, yeah, it, it's a trip. So we're going to be talking about this whole pain management and, and recovery thing. Um, so I'll just ask you, Marv, right, right off the bat, and then then we'll um, um, we'll talk about something else real quick and then come back to this. But um, would you consider yourself still clean and sober, even though you're taking a, a narcotic for pain? Yes, I would. Yes, you would. Yeah. Would we all concur, concur with that? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah, Denver? Most certainly. Yeah, me too. Me too. Not everybody would agree, though. No, it's crazy that people... Isn't it? This is a topic that some people get, you know, they get off the hook on... Hay, haywire about, yeah. Yeah. Like you take even an aspirin and you're, you know... Oh, yeah. You're you're not in recovery. I mean, that's kind of an extreme example, but... Well, there are people that actually believe if you drink caffeine... um. Or if you continue to smoke, that there's no such a thing as clean and squeaky clean. You're either clean or you're not. Well, that doesn't make too much sense because most, I mean, not as much now, but, you know, meetings, everybody yeah. smokes. <laughs> and, and drink and coffee. coffee. That's <laughs> yeah. like, you know, if they didn't have coffee, I think, you know, some people would, would like go back to slamming dope. Doing something <laughs> else. I mean, show up. Like, why? It'd be like stopping somewhere at the. You know, the local coffee hut and grabbing a coffee before they came. Right. Yeah. But yeah, it's that's interesting. Yeah. It, it's interesting stuff. Those, um, those extremists should form their own group and stick together. <laughs> I, Just yeah. Saying. And I think some do. I think some do. I do. I do. I think s- some go and like to complain just to complain. Yeah, to have something, to have something to com- complain about. I don't think we have anything to complain about today. Actually, hey everybody, what? listen up! You got to stop what you're doing. It's an absolute miracle. The Monty Man <laughs> has something positive to say. Go ahead, Monty Man. Okay. Go ahead, lay it on us. All right, Cecil. Yes, I do. I I have. I am not going to whine today. I could whine today. With all the stuff that's going on in the world right now, but I thought, you know what? I'm not even going to bring that stuff into the show. It's not worth it. People are getting bombarded by all this garbage all day long anyway, so I got something to share. 
Marsh and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage tomorrow, Woo-hoo. Tuesday. Congratulations. Yes. And right. she is an amazing woman. And I, I will tell you that um, if you read in Proverbs, you, there, there's a description of a godly woman in there, and that's her. Um, she is just, uh, she's not just my best friend. Um, she's my accountability uh, buddy. Accountability buddy? Is that how you say that? Um, sure. How you said it, you know. She, but but one thing that 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 she has really taught me, and, and been very supportive in is maintaining a healthy emotional sobriety, uh, and, and that is where we have been able to hold on to ourselves to where we're not so emotionally dependent on the other person that if the other person um, doesn't agree, that the other person freaks out i mean we can have differences of opinions we um we can enjoy each other regardless of, of some of our ideas uh and, and it makes for an incredible relationship and of course the areas of our life that we are on the same page with the most important areas is our relationship with um, our creator and and that we can absolutely agree in fact most things we agree on except for you know um, leaving the cap off the ketchup or something like that. I mean, uh, I tease her about that once in a while, but that's really the only thing I can think of that has ever even disturbed me about this woman. So uh, I don't know how I ended up deserving. Well, I don't deserve her. I don't know how I ended up get, getting this incredible gift in a wife and a spouse uh, in Marsha Diane Meyer. But uh, happy anniversary, sweetheart. Uh, 30 years has been um, excellent. It's been excellent. It's it's been absolutely amazing, and uh, she is an incredible mom. Um, she has, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, with her and I together, raised two incredible boys that are serving God and and uh, love their wives and treat their wives with respect. And um, we're just very very fortunate, especially in a day and age when where a lot of that just isn't going on. Um, so there you go. Well, that just proves that they had good examples. Well, thank you. And that probably the ketchup thing says more about you than anything else. Absolutely, it does. Except for the ketchup. Hey, Marsha. (laughs) (laughs) All right. um, So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about this topic, uh, pain management in recovery. So don't go away. Listen to this. Addiction cost Oregonians $5.9 billion annually. Hi there, this is Monty Meyer, CEO of Oregon's Take 12 Recovery Radio, with an urgent message for everyone who calls Oregon home. Did you know that in regards to adequate addiction treatment, there is no single point of accountability or authority within our state government and that there are no people in recovery in the decision-making roles? For this to change, we need you to stand with us. We are Oregon Recovers, and we recognize the frustration of no meaningful prevention programs, long wait times for treatment, and poor aftercare. Isn't it time to get off the sidelines and plug into a solution that is stable and lasting? To begin that process, visit us at OregonRecovers.org and stand with us today. 
That's OregonRecovers.org. The time is now. Hey, check it out. You can now access all of our shows from a variety of podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, Podomatic, and Player FM. Simply search for Take 12 Recovery Radio, and you'll be tuned into the best in recovery broadcast journalism. Also available at Take12Radio.com. Welcome back to the show. By the way, uh, at the beginning of the show, we played a number of uh, Western theme songs from Western television shows. Did, did any of you catch what any of them were? I'm going to take a giant guess. What do you mean, catch them? Did you catch well, what, what they were? What, Bonanza. What? Bonanza Rawhide. was one. Rawhide was Rawhide, one. Rawhide, yeah. Um, I thought, um, oh, what? Have Gun, Will Travel. Have, yeah. Have Gun, Will Travel. Yep. Um, oh, geez. I forgot the name of the Was show. Was that Bat Masterson on there? Yes. <laughs> Have Gun, Will Travel. Yes. Yeah. The Virginian <coughs> was one of them. Gunsmoke was Gunsmoke. one. Yeah. Uh, the Lone Ranger, Gunsmoke. of course, which is really the William Tell Overture. <laughs> and the Rifleman, Chuck Connors. Remember Chuck Connors? Do you remember yeah. Chuck Connors? Rifleman? I do. Yeah. yeah. The, the guy that played his son went on to be a very famous um, actor, but he's so famous I can't remember his name. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I watched an episode of uh, Lone Ranger the other day. Did you really? Ooh, that's really old. That is old. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm telling you. The acting in there. Whew. Yeah, and the painted backgrounds. I love yeah, the bonanza it, ones, the painted backgrounds, the cactus, cactus and <laughs> the yeah. trees. You know, the wind's blowing, but nothing's moving. Nothing's know? moving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, so the topic this week is uh, pain management in recovery. And um, just, I'm going to open this up by just reading this one paragraph, In uh, and Dave turned me on to the IP, uh, the, the information pamphlet from Narcotics Anonymous. And by the way, there's two. There's an information pamphlet from NA called In Times of Illness, and there's one in AA called uh, The AA Members, Medications, and Other Drugs. It's actually a book. Yeah, it's a book. It's a it's pretty good size. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, and and they're both very similar. Um, but the one of the first paragraphs in this says the use of medication can be controversial in our fellowships when treatment of an illness requires medication. The concept of abstinence can be confusing. It's helpful to remember the importance of making a conscious decision not to medicate ourselves. Or treat our own illnesses, and uh, we're going to kind of open this up for discussion. But I've got some responses from social media too on this. Um, my take on it has always been: if if you're not doing what the doctor is telling you to do, and you're not adequately treating your pain management, you very. I, I know people say you can be at risk. Yes, that's true. But you very well may be at risk of going back out and using your drug of choice if you're not following directions. You know, yeah, I mean, and that's you make a great point because a lot of people will have some pain 
that is, you know, on the edge or maybe even a little unbearable at times. Right. And they won't tell their doctor because they're uh, afraid of, you know, uh, falling into that trap of believing that they're losing their recovery. You know, they're right. They're relapsing. And then and they end up going back out and using street drugs because, you know, that's the only thing they have and they yeah. can't handle it anymore. Rather than going to the doctor and saying, look, I'm an, I'm in an addict in recovery. You know, I've got X amount of time and, you know, I mm-hmm. need something for the pain. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, maybe, uh, you know, over-the-counters aren't working. Um, but I want to make sure that I don't fall back into my, my, my addiction. And, right. You know, so usually they would stop, start you out at like the minimal dose. And then you have, you know. Or maybe they'll try something holistically. And it's, you know, as prescribed, right? We always look at that as prescribed where, you know, most (laughs) addicts are like, well, (laughs) one is good, two is better. It's like, well, you know. Well, I always how like about try none and see how you handle it. I always like the right? phrase on the bottle then that take says one later on. The phrase that says take as needed. <laughs> There's an open door. Yeah, because I'm like, okay, I need. Yeah. I need. I need. There's an uh, open door. But but you're right, right because and then there's the guy or the gal that who is letting his his or her ego run the show and say well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a recovery person, and I'm not going to take any pain medication because um, I just don't do that because I'm, you know, hip slick and cool, and I'm. I mean, it's the old behavior, but in a different wrapper. Well, let's hear hear how you do when you have a broken hip. Exactly, and or a lot know, of the comments that I'm not going to read were kind of crazy like that. There, some of them were because another guy asked permission to repost the question on his site and he did and and some interesting comments came back well you know that were kind of like that you know it's it's like well i just don't do that so okay well wait till something serious happens like you get bucked off your horse you break three ribs and your clavicle and was it partial hip replacement that you had to have yeah 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 and tried taking an aspirin for that um right yeah yeah um, so some interesting, some interesting so, uh, uh, answers. So the question that I posed on social media was: Do you consider a person in recovery, clean and or sober, if they need to take narcotics for legitimate pain management? So what's the optimal word there? Legitimate, legitimate. right? Mm-hmm. People miss. <laughs> people <laughs> always miss when you ask a question. Though, so. Um, Carol W. Uh, was the first to respond. He said, if prescribed by a doctor, but I'm unsure about the use of medical marijuana. I'm really tight on that issue. That's that's a whole other show. Um, um, Linda uh, M. said, most definitely yes, meaning still clean and sober, but with rigorous honesty. That's good. Lee R. said, for me, if the doctor uh, has prescribed and managing uh, the person and is following the guidance, yes, clean and sober. The question only in dispute when it turns into self-medication, <coughs> which is true. Um, Nick M. said, as a heroin addict in recovery, I can say this. I personally choose not to use any pain medications. When I had several root canals performed, I let my dentist know that I had a particularly negative allergic reaction to opiate pain medications. Um and and some people can have some major mouth surgery and not use any pain medication. Uh, I was one of them when I first went into treatment. 
I couldn't believe how much Advil and Tylenol actually worked. Um, but later, when I had to have all my teeth removed, I am telling yeah. you, I would not have survived that. And, and you can only take so many of those. Right. You, you can. Know. Yeah. Uh, Pamela uh, B. said, Monty, man, I had to take OxyContin when I had my uh, hip replacement. I was aware and got off as soon as possible, but I still consider myself clean and sober. I do, too, by the way. Richard C. said, ouch. This creates a big problem for the addict. I would search violently for any non-narcotic way to control the pain. Uh, using even prescribed narcotics can lead to severe re- relapse. It can. Uh, Frankie D. Uh, said, if all else fails, such as holistic uh, methods. So he's, he said, yeah, that's fine. But like you were saying, maybe try something smaller. And most doctors will do that. And And then there's other ones that... That we'll discuss here, but I wanted to. So where's all the the ones that are like adamant? I mean, that's usually the ones that I see. When adamant this about against comes it. Up. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, here's one. Chad R said, "You don't need a prescription. Just buy them off the street. It's easier." Oh, is, boy. He, is he being sarcastic? <laughs> I, I don't know. Who knows? Um, David H. said, you do have to be an advocate for your own good and not assume the doc is sharp. Somebody graduated medical school at the bottom of their class, right? (laughs) Sometimes we just don't want to tell our doctor what's really going on with us. Pride gets in the way. Yeah. Jonah Case said, a real alcoholic or addict's body cannot differentiate if the substance is prescribed or not. That's a good point. Truth. That's a good point. Um, Heather B says, depends on your spiritual condition and your activity in working in a program. The one I wanted to really, really share here, though, is from Susan J. She's an avid listener. And I thought this was really good. She says, hi, Monty. I'm clean and sober without a single incident of a relapse since 2010. I love my sobriety, and I'm proud of it. At the beginning of the year, I was diagnosed with cancer. I had several surgeries done, all pretty low pain and able to manage with uh, teradol, toradol, uh, ibuprofen, and acetaminophen. Now, I'm in chemo. It hit me so hard with the worst pain I have ever encountered in my entire life. I had side effects of the medication that put me in excruciating pain thinking my bones would explode. No pain medication I had worked had worked, and there was no end in sight. I had to take opiates. I took them as prescribed and for less days than anticipated. I know about the dangers, so I tried to minimize. Second round of chemo wasn't as bad as the first one. Still, my tries to stand it with OTC, not sure what that is. Over the counter. Oh, over the counter, okay. Didn't work, and again, I took opiates for three days. I am clean and sober, period. I don't abuse the medication. I tried it without. I take it as prescribed or less. I have no choice but taking it. I also found out that one of my chemotherapy meds that I get IV is an alcohol solution, about the equivalent of one shot. I tried. I would try it if I could have alcohol-free version, but it's not available. I have no choice. I am still clean and sober. The most important thing in all this is the fact that I'm aware of an increased danger. I monitor myself closely 
disclosed my recovery to my doctor, and he's watching it. Got a supportive watching husband, husband and a case manager. I'm sober, even though I, I use my all three substances on three days a month for a total of four times. Being in recovery doesn't mean that you have to live in pain. That's right. I she like pretty, that. She pretty much sums it up. She does. Yeah. Really, really good uh, remark there, 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 Susan. I agree with her. I when you know when I uh, fell off the horse six, seven weeks ago, mm-hmm. and my left arm uh, from that point on hurt, and uh, I had you know restricted range of motion when I lifted it up and down, and it just ached and ached and. You know, for those six weeks, I tried, and I tried, I tried. Um, first, I tried just ibuprofen, and mm-hmm. that was not really working. And then I switched to Tylenol, and that helped some. But every single night, uh, I was woken up with pain from my arm, and um, it just wasn't going away or getting any better. So, um, you know, I finally talked to my doctor, and, um, you know, I said, I, I guess I should probably get some x-rays. And... Um, it was only this, uh, I guess, last Friday when um, we went over my x-rays, my doctor and I, that um, he's like, wow, you've been quite a trooper. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I I hesitated to, but I talked to, um, you know, people I know in recovery about it, but I asked him for something so I could sleep at night for the pain. Right. And... I, he knows I'm in, in recovery. He's worked with me since I um, had a bad relapse and a uh, year and a half ago. And anyway, I reminded him that I was in recovery. And so he prescribed for me um, this uh, narcotic. It's called Tramadol. And it's, it's right. like the lowest level of narcotics that there are. And um, so, um, you know, I'm taking that. But I uh, let my sponsor know right away. And um, some of my other um, close uh, people in recovery that I was doing this. And um, like my sponsor um, told me, she said, just, you know, just as long as you don't, you don't want to keep it a secret if you're in recovery and something like this is going mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I keep a log, a personal log of like when I actually take the medication, just kind of accountability thing. And, and I definitely think i'm clean and sober it's just you know after a while there's your pain uh can so much affect your function that um your you know your, your quality of life just your goes quality down the of toilet, life right and, yeah uh it's, i'm referred to an orthopedist now and you know i figured this is this is just a short-term thing for me to kind of get over this hump but um i definitely consider myself so still clean and sober yeah yeah i would too i would too i couldn't see boat I, you know, you got severe you, you back know me, issues I've been, and stuff. Well, right? yeah, yeah, I've got a, I've got a disc that's out, yeah, and it's pressing on my sciatic nerve, mm-hmm. and that's been going on for months. And I had, you know, I've been to the chiropractor, been to the doctor, been to physical therapy. I had decompression treatments. You've tried everything. Where they stretch you out, so yeah. it goes back into place and all the fluid and all that, yeah. Um, plus on top of that, I got neuropathy, so I've got, you know, pain from that. So it's crazy. They got me on uh tramadol, you know, on the lowest dose. Right. Um, and, um, gabapentin for my neuropathy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and, you know, I take the minimum and it just barely takes the edge off. Right. 
Right. And I can tell if I don't, uh, if I don't take it, like my, they're supposed to fix my medication because I, they only, they don't give me enough to last the month. So the last week of the month or the last week before I get my prescription refilled mm-hmm. is pretty harsh because it, the tramadol with the gabapentin takes the edge off. Um, and I got I'm going to the neurologist or the neurosurgeon on Friday, uh, to see what my options are. I don't really want to have surgery if I can avoid it. Right. Sure. You know, like we we're talking about quality of life, like my <coughs> life, quality of life has dropped dramatically mm-hmm. since all this started. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had back issues most of my life, but it's, it's not, it's not corrected. And I, I remember times you're talking about you going having issues and going in and finding out oh I have this something broken right I'm I was at the chiropractor before I came out here uh, a few years before I came out here and the guy took X-rays one time and he goes when did you break your back and I'm like what what yeah oh my goodness my, up here uh like you know by my shoulder blades yeah uh, apparently it, I got fractured at some point and it you know it fixed itself. Wow. Which is crazy. That, that is a trip. Right? That the human trip. body can like, and it, and, you know, it answers the question like why I have like uh, pain or uh, good like old days. arthritis, you know, in my shoulder blades. Yeah. But yeah, that was crazy. It's like, well, that explains a lot. L- listen to this answer. Uh, James J says, uh, doctor used to prescribe me Oxys, uh, 30, Oxy 30s. Soma, Xanax, and Adderall wow. while going to get methadone at another clinic. I should be fine if I just go to enough meetings. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's saying that meetings keep you sober even if you're using? I don't know about that one. You got to be careful. Like, you know, when I, I've met with, I've had clients that, you know, they first talk about how they're taking, you know, low dose pain meds for ex- whatever physical thing, and then as you go, you go forward, you find out that they're, you know, they're going to two or three different doctors. For sure, you know, getting hopping oxy thirties, yeah. doctor shopping. You know, and yeah. it's like, no, that's that's a sign that you're definitely in trouble. He also says, "I mind my own business. It's easier." <laughs> Uh, well, we're only as sick as our secrets, right? I, I guess. So let, let me ask. Okay, so Marv, you, you're taking pain me- uh, medication pretty low. Uh, uh, did you even for a minute think that this was affecting your, I guess, for lack of a better term, sobriety standing? Oh, my thinking went a little bit different direction. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, my wife died overdose Oxycontin. Right. That's right. And so that had a pretty good effect on me. Yeah. Plus my pride. You know, if you take drugs, you're weak type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <clears throat> um, to, I have never, I've had some pretty serious surgeries, but this one here has caused me more pain than I've ever had before. Really? So when they talked about, 
you know, of course, in the hospital, I was getting it intravenously. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but then when I had to take responsibility for it going home, yeah, um, I uh, there I had no doubts. I had to have it because I get up out of bed screaming. Wow, it it just hurts so bad. Yeah, <clears throat> and so I I you know just because. Not just because, but because my wife died of it, because of my pride and ego. Mm -hmm. I had to let that go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Oxycontin's bad. People die. Right. But then the other part of the story is we have professionals who guide us on how much to take, when to take it, and help us through it. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I depend on that. Right. Now, because of my ignorance... I discovered I wasn't taking enough. Oh, okay. And um, the doctors will tell you that if you're hurting and that kind of pain, that is interfering with your healing. And so it's necessary right. to get the, the right amount of pain medication so your healing progresses. Mm -hmm. And actually, Margie helped me out the best with that. Yeah, because yeah, I didn't know, I didn't realize, I was already on the fence about taking it, right? But then realized I had to. But now, you know, they're saying, well, you know, you need a little more. Yeah. Well, that's turned out really good. It, it in the last three or four days, man, it's really helped me. Mm. <clears throat> well, and the but, good the, the good thing too, being on only five milligrams, when it's time for you to wean off of that, it's not going to be horrific. Well, that's what everybody says. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, everybody's bodies can be different, right? Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, is, is you, know, you know, it's a good point about the healing process and doing that. You know, I've had to take oxys before, and I've never had a problem stopping, but there was a point where my pride got in the way, and it's like, you know, is this going to, you know, affect me in any way uh, negatively? And... uh for me, anyway, I discovered that I don't have an issue with the pills. Um, and I usually, you know, I take them as prescribed, and, it, and getting off of it is pretty easy. So I, I want to read uh, a portion uh, from, from the book, uh, In Times of Illness. Um, this is a quote. Uh, <clears throat> I was one person who believed that if you used anything for any reason, it was considered a relapse until I was faced with this situation in my own recovery, it didn't dawn on me that I might have to take medication. I can remember going to meetings and having people ask me if I'd relapse and telling me to pick up a white chip. For those who don't know, in, in Narcotics Anonymous, that's a welcome chip. It's like your 24-hour chip or whatever. Well, actually, it's not even a 24-hour chip. It's the chip you get when you come to your first meeting. Um, this really hurt and scared me. I felt rejected and very alone because no one seemed to understand that I needed strength and hope. Here this this person is going to the meetings to get support, strength and hope, and he's feeling like he's being shamed because he's having to take medication. And that's that's probably one of the biggest reasons why they came up with this book. Right. And the pamphlet, you know, is because there's so much misinformation out there. The basic text of Narcotics Anonymous recommends consulting professionals concerning our medical problems. Did you hear what it doesn't say? It doesn't say consult each other. 
<laughs> or consult no one. Or consult no one. <laughs> we also work closely with our sponsor and other experienced NA members we trust. Many members today have experience with illness and medication in recovery. We can look to their example and listen to their experience to help us face our fears about medication. We remember that we are especially vulnerable to our old ways of thinking when we are in pain. Prayer, meditation, and sharing can help us keep our minds off our discomfort. Addicts are often surprised to discover how much pain we can tolerate without medication. Reaching out and sharing honestly with those we trust can help us keep our priorities in order. Our goal is to maintain our recovery. And I thought that was a very interesting statement. It doesn't say our goal is to maintain our sobriety, okay, or our abstinence. Obviously, if you're having to take pain medication for pain management, you're not abstinent, right? But you can maintain your recovery. The goal is to maintain your recovery. Can you still be in healthy recovery and be under pain management? Absolutely, you yeah, but can. What do you, when you say you're not abstinent, if you're an alcoholic, you're not a drug user? Does no, that no, no. still apply? No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying abstinent means the absence of the substance. If you're putting the substance in your body, you're not abstinent from it, but it doesn't mean you're not in recovery. Yeah, that confuses people that are actually in in recovery or in the program, especially new people. Well, everybody because, throws these terms together. Well, that's because they don't teach it out of, out of the literature. They teach it out of their opinion. Right. Abstinence, sobriety, right. recovery. Yeah. So, so can you be in active, healthy recovery and still be undergoing pain management? I believe you can. Yeah. And if we are not doctors, why do we keep acting like it? <laughs> you know, we keep acting like we're the, these, these, these medical professionals. Well, you're not sober. You're not clean because you're taking pain meds. Okay, well, thank you. Where'd you get your PhD and your medical degree and all that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's... Um, well, it's kind of a two-edged sword because at the same time <clears throat> that we're talking about that, there are people out there who are supporting each other in this type of situation. Um, I know uh, I don't even like to admit it. Mm -hmm. I need people, and I've needed the kind of support I've been getting through this time period. Right. Whether they're doctors or not. Sure. Yeah, there sure. is negative support. Right, <clears throat> and I pray to God that He helps me to listen to the good stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, so, absolutely. Yeah, Dem it's a two-edged sword. Denver, what do you think about all this? What do you think about this whole medication thing? And Ooh, it's been good listening. Yeah. Um, pain management. Now, I'm a firm believer that if you're in pain, you probably should go ahead and use medication for that right uh, I do know that because of my nature I have a tendency to abuse things so uh, I've never been one for pills mm -hmm. and, and I can't answer that but but yeah, if you yeah, had we, to if you were in severe pain oh I have been yeah yeah I was on ibuprofen that sent me to the hospital with uh, ulcers I, I took it for a long time, and I didn't realize that, you know, that's a medication that's probably not good. And the doctors... Over long term, yeah. Yeah. The doctors have informed me that it's did some damage in right. my insides, plus everything else I did in my life. Yeah. But, yeah, if, 
if if a doctor tells you because they're supposed to know mm-hmm. now I think they probably over prescribe a lot of medication to people I do and that bothers me but if a doctor tells you that you need to be on some medication and you ought to take it it will help you heal yeah it, yeah it, it is they're they're common sense people and they're not common sense people they're smarter people than we are supposedly so i i listen to that and what what i do see though is people like uh myself and others mm-hmm. is we have a tendency if you're in a, an addiction you have a tendency to abuse and i've seen that through uh the work i've been in where people will go in with a uh, broken shoulder or something get a prescription all of a sudden fall in love with that pill sure and they want to uh continue that because it made them feel good the euphoria that it that it brings on long long after the illness or broken bone is healed Mm -hmm. they're sticking to it it is an issue it it, It is a problem it becomes an addiction right so and lots of people actually get caught up in that that aren't addicts right that are just the average joe right they they start with they start with a broken bone and all of a sudden they find themselves a year later out on the streets buying it mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. their prescription got cut off somewhere yeah so yeah it, i don't know i think it's okay to use it if it's prescribed and you can uh follow directions if, if you don't follow directions and you abuse it right it, it's going to lead down a bad road so sometimes it's helpful to have somebody else uh, manage the distribution of it for you. Correct. Um, you know, that, that happened with me when I had both my hips replacement and I had MRSA twice and uh, Marsha managed uh, my pain medication uh, to a certain degree. Um, but th- there is there is always the chance of becoming chemically dependent. You know, you don't have to be an addict to become chemically dependent. You don't have to be an alcoholic. To become chemically dependent, it can happen to anybody. Um, but uh, uh, again, we're talking about folks in recovery, and you're needing pain management. Are you still clean and sober? I, I believe that yes, you, you are. are. And, and you know, one one person responded by saying, uh, "I didn't print it out, but they were, they were suggesting that that majority of doctors don't really care. They're 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 ill informed." Um, being ill-informed, yeah, that's pretty pretty common. We know that most medical doctors get three or four hours of addiction education in their whole medical schooling, um, but their practical application that happens when they're in practice, that is, it says something for their, their gaining information there. But, but listen, I don't know. My experience has been when I have been honest, I had to change doctors one time because he was literally a drug dealer. I mean, not not intentionally not in his head but he would just write scripts like crazy right and i had to get out of there every other doctor i've ever had and i've had several over my almost 65 years of life when i was gut level honest with them they were able to help me in the ways that i needed to be helped and it was without any severe consequences or any relapse or any of that kind of stuff uh it was a matter of me just laying out the truth and saying here's my situation and i found that in my case 
There are certain medications that I thought I needed that I didn't, and others would work just fine. And in other cases, like when I had my MRSA and the hip problems, I had to be on oxys. I had to be. If I wasn't, it was going to drive me out there. And then, then what happens, right? Um, so yeah, it's 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 a controversial issue, I suppose. I don't think it needs to be. I think we do what we're supposed to do. If you're in early recovery and you need pain management, I think this is another reason why having a sponsor is so vital. This is another reason why being honest with your 12-step support group is so vital. And, and having a support like Mark, Mar- you talked about you getting. People have been supportive of you yes. in your home group, right? Yes. Yeah. You haven't come up against any right fighters that, well, Marv, you know, you're probably not sober. Not yet. Not yet? Yeah, good deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, any closing thoughts on this, Dave? Just uh, follow direction, <laughs> right? Take, <laughs> follow take the directions. Your, uh, medication as prescribed. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to turn in your chip. No, definitely not. Yeah. And if if they do tell you that, then you need to find another meeting. Yeah, run. (laughs) Margie, any last thoughts? Just uh, like I shared earlier, just, you know, make sure that uh, if you have a sponsor that you, you know, immediately share with your sponsor. Don't keep this a secret and share with other um, people that you're close with in the program and um, practice accountability. Yeah. Marv? Marv? about all I got to say about that. All right. <laughs> Denver, how about you? I'm happy to see you, Marv. Thanks. I, I heard you got thrown, and I thought, yeah. oh, man, that has to be a ride. Yeah. Well, Marv, we uh, we sure do appreciate you, and we're glad you're okay, man. Thank you. Yeah. Are you going to get back up on uh, on your buddy? Oh, Once yeah. you figure out what's going yeah. on with his... Once I heal up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Right on. Get back up on a horse. Excellent. All right. All right, um, our closing song, in keeping with our theme a little bit, I couldn't find a Western recovery song, <laughs> but I did find a hillbilly recovery song. All right. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah. I like hillbilly music. This is called Hillbilly Higher Power, and it is by Michael Purrington and the Messengers. Well, I can see him up in paradise, sitting on a bale of hay. Listening with a country grin while all the sinners pray. He's picking on a guitar with golden ringing strings. While the choir of down home old time angels sings. I got a hillbilly higher power looking out for me tonight. Telling me in a bluegrass melody what it is and what ain't right. There's a good old boy in the afterlife who's glad to be my guide. I got a hillbilly higher power by my side. He's jamming with Hank Williams on a song that Jesus wrote. Every lick is perfect, man, they never miss a note. The words of front porch simple, they're singing clear and clean. When that tune comes to me, I can't help but be serene. I got a hillbilly higher power looking out for me tonight. Telling me in a bluegrass melody what is and what ain't right. There's a good old boy in the afterlife who's 
Mr. Michael Purrington and his band, The Messengers. What a great recovery recording artist and friend of Take 12 Recovery Radio. Reminding us all, Rule 62, not to take yourself so seriously, right? All right. Until our next broadcast, this is the Monty Man, along with the Take 12 Recovery Radio family, and we are wishing God's perfect serenity for you, even in the wild, wild west. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting. Mm-hmm. <laughs>